Hey everyone, welcome back to Commander Crunch. Before we get started today, just a quick dropping in to let you know that this beautiful, amazing, delicious, crunchy podcast is brought to you by both puremtgo.com, where you can find articles on all different formats of magic, and of course, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, because if you're in Australia, New Zealand, or Malaysia, go there for all of your auction needs. Now, on to the damn podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Commander Crunch, episode six. I'm Sam. I've got milk. <laughs> I've got cereal, dude. <laughs> Just jump straight in there. Exactly. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and I'm Chesh, obviously. Threw me off that one. Uh, welcome back to another week of uh, Tasty Commander Treats, celebrating culture, community, and creativity of our favorite format of Magic the Gathering, collectible card game, uh, plus a side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. Um, this week, uh, fun story this weekend, we had an awesome, awesome guest lined up uh, on Saturday. Uh, the day we usually record, but we had to plan B this one on account of a, um, a pretty gnarly personal uh, emergency on my behalf, which I'm sorry, Chesh. I'm sorry, our guest. Are we saying who the guest was? Oh, well, I mean, it's Gavin Verhey, obviously. The best, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, really excited, really, uh, I, I felt really bad to, to kind of call that off, but um, yeah, lo and behold, long story short, my wife hit her head um, about a, an hour before we're about to record. She's left a dint in the wall. She basically passed out and, um, you know, doctors ensued and all that stuff. So, she's all fine now. Don't worry. We've spent the afternoon gardening, but we're taking it easy. Um, so, Chesh and I... Th- uh, decided we'd get back on the mics anyway uh, the next day, the Sunday. Uh, so this will still come out the same day, hopefully. Um, and decide to, uh, yeah, we decided to talk about something that's been on my mind for a little bit. Um, it's just a little side discussion of a fun theme of Commander that kind of brought up, it was brought up when we spoke to JR from Spell Table. Uh, and he, he kind of, he had something that's it's always resonated really strongly with me about making Commander uh, enjoyable, um, but I never kind of thought about it this way. But we're looking at cards today that I like to think Commander, uh, yeah, Command, uh, provoke a conversation or, you know, um, kind of. Or Commander conversation? A Commander conversation. Uh? Yeah, exactly. Command the conversation at your Commander tables. Basically, um Looking at having more fun, interacting, and and just playing cards that are actually good, but they involve the table a bit more. So, it's like the anti-solitaire type thing. So, there's a few cards already being brought up, um, you know, in this ilk uh, that we looked at. Like, these can help your game plan be really good, but they involve more players in a way that's not... I mean, there's two extremes here, I think. Chaos it can go into, which I'm sure we'll, we might even bring up a couple of cards that are still fun and make everyone have a fun time. And you can kind of mess with the the symmetry to make them more advantageous to you, whatever um, you do you. Uh, or the group hug thing where you just, you know, it involves everyone, but to the same extent, everyone just gets good stuff. But I kind of like the realm in between those two where you're still doing good, powerful things, uh, whereas... It does involve other people. So, so I mean, quick example anyway. It came up last week when we were talking about a few cards, but Fact or Fiction is is one of my favorite pieces of card draw. Uh, and it's cheap, three and a blue for a instant. So, you can hold it up, that kind of thing. Uh, and it basically just says, uh, do you have it in front of you or remember off the top of your head, Chesh, who's separating the cards? Uh, target opponent. Yeah, target opponent separates um, the top five <laughs> cards of your library uh, and then into two piles. So they, they have to make a, um, a kind of interesting political choice uh, and then separates them into two piles, yes, and then you get to choose one to go in your hand and one to go in your graveyard. And as I said last week, it kind of baseline, it's either two good cards or, you know, in your hand uh, or three less good cards type thing on average. You could have an opponent you've made a bit of an alliance with, which is – the differentiator of commander in the first place, the fact that we've got discussions and politics as a, you know, additional factor to every other format of magic, so to speak. So it's one to really, you know, that is fun to lean into and start to understand. You can even potentially get five cards out of it. You know, you, you they may make a pile of five and zero, just go, I'm going to be your friend or, or buy a favor for later. So that was one of those cards that got us talking about that kind of thing. Um so, Chesh, before getting into some of these cards, because, I mean, ideally it kind of 
uh, it default by default comes down to like a lot of like pet cards. I'd like to say, you know, like because it's just fun fun cards you love to play, have had good experiences with, and hopefully everyone else does too. Um, whilst not, it's not just doing dumb cards for the sake of dumb cards. Um, there's some there's a couple of choices here that need to be discussed before we get into the main ones as. Yes, they provoke a conversation, but whether that's a very dynamic conversation at all, <laughs> and that's like, you know, they you know they just go with that saying. So we're talking smothering tithe, uh, ristic study. You know, that one makes ones in white, one makes mana essentially, unless Do you pay the one. Yeah, usually if I can, <laughs> but like, who who's got the time or money? You know, um, yeah, exactly. Or ristic study, same thing with cards. And what I mean by that is just. They're great anyway. We, we don't need to go in, into any more of that, but it's more the conversation gets really, I think it's, it just gets tiresome on some people. Uh, and so yeah, I'm not I saying mean, it's making look, it more fun if you play one of those. When it comes to something like Smothering Tithe or, you know, even Ristic Study, like do they really fall into this category of like creating conversation? No, not a at lot all. Of That's the what time, I mean, you know. But- yeah, because a lot of the time when I'm at a table, they, they don't create conversation. They just put a massive big target on your ass yeah. so that and, people want to kill you and it's because- an annoyance you're just like yes okay yeah. or like excuse me are you gonna play the play the play the one yeah, it's like, oh god yep. okay fine and and you gotta like it's it's a game state thing and you gotta say it and that's that's probably the worst thing ever it's monotonous because it's yeah. like i yeah i have to every turn ask you are you paying the one like and, <laughs> and if I it. if I don't ask, then you you're just like, well, you missed that trigger. Yeah, it's like, well, and then yeah, like by yeah, default, maybe because I didn't want to ask you, like, <laughs> and, and not not bring it up at, or like forgetting about it and bring it up later. It's like, oh no, I missed three triggers. I'm like, yeah, sorry, you missed three triggers. Like, you know, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, you you only get fourteen cards instead of seventeen. Sorry, like, you know, exactly. So that's fine. Great cards, play them, but you know, it's not really what we're talking about. And then by the same token, I kind of had. I think to a lesser degree, things like large board wipes uh, are worth bringing up. And, and I'm kind of just looking at one, the Torment of Hailfire, which has become, strangely enough, I couldn't stop pulling these cards when, um, was it Hour of Devastation <laughs> Gamma? I've got a stack of them and I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. But then, you know, of course, check back a few years' time and everyone plays these. They're just nuts. Uh, and it just, might have to bring it up to get the exact wording, but it does make people make decisions. It's great. You know, it's really good. Um, one second of hellfire. Um, but it's the type of thing that it's it's not that original. I, I guess I'll put it down to you know it's 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 just great anyway. So it's it's not. I think it's like is everyone going to have a fun time after a tournament of hellfire? Maybe like you might have a smile on your face for doing something cool, but it's just generally you know uh, bad news for. Um, you know, whoever's receiving that. And so I don't I, I don't mean this in like just play everything to help everyone else because it's not really that at all. It's more about stimulating conversation. So Torment of Hailfire does read, uh, where was it? Repeat the following process X times. Uh, and X, sorry, the cost is X black black. Repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card and it's a sorcery. So you override this thing with eight, ten mana or whatever and then people have to make some pretty tricky decisions and they start to lose life, eat into their cards, nothing really left. So, I mean, that was one to bring up as well. Like, yes, it gets people talking but, you know, it's I, I kind of want to leave some smiles on the face or like just interesting just kind of get people talking more in the build-up, I guess, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so good splashy effects. So... Uh, the other one I had in that category anyway was probably a bit more interesting in my experience, but Death Wave is a really kind of funny one. Um, have you seen that one before? No, Death Wave is... Do, 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 do. Uh, Death Wave is X and a black, uh, and it just says for each creature its controller sacrifices it unless he or she plays pays X life as a sorcery. So um, that one's kind of interesting anyway as far as, you know, you again can break some symmetries on that but you know it generally means bad news for other people but again it's not just kill everything it's making people make a decision first which is you know i mean in the spirit of what we're talking about anyways you know kind of there so uh, but overall anyway the goal is uh, for these cards anyway i want to look at uh to be interactive effective but not necessarily oppressive kind of thing so there's some kind of wacky effects that in conjunction with a few other cards can do some pretty wild stuff and then lock people out of the game. And that's kind of, I'm still 
there may be reasons to do that, but it's not what I'm looking for. So let's start it off. There's not. There's never a reason to do that. <laughs> there, there, there isn't. Like, so one of the one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this is chaos cards, right? Yes, because exactly. I do like playing, you know, Possibility Storm um, <laughs> now and again. Uh, the problem is that Possibility Storm is is one of those cards that you can absolutely, you know, uh, you can. There's ways to abuse it, basically, just oh, like yeah. Teferi's yeah, yeah. Puzzle Box, right? Yeah, I was thinking Knowledge um, Pool too, for sure. Exactly, and Knowledge Pool. Uh, so Possibility Storm is three colors and two red for an enchantment. Whenever a player casts a spell from their hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that card without paying uh, its mana cost. Then they put all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of the library in a random order. Um, I I love playing this card because of the random effect, right? Because generally speaking, if you're not abusing it, it does get people discussing things with each other, even if it's how do we deal with this person to kill them because this card's annoying you are still putting out there like a, a discussion point, right? Um, especially considering when you play a card like that, your deck is probably built around that card or, mm. you know, in some direction so that you can kind of get maximum value out of it. So your opponents might just think you're playing this random chaos deck, but it actually turns out that you do actually have a plan. You're not just, you know, a poorly written joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that you have a plan, you're, you're, you know, you know exactly which direction you're going in. Like, whether it be like, oh, I, if I play a spell, it goes through from the game, and then I start, like, basically going off the top of my library until I find something that shares a type with it. You know, especially if you're playing spells that are more than one type, and you're kind of, like, molding that game itself towards, like, exactly what you want to do. Mm. Or uh, maybe you're just, you know, playing an, a creature because you want to get, like, a big creature, you know, and you've got ways to, like, make your creatures cheaper or something like that as well so that you can, like, play something, like, really early after you've played the Possibility Storm. There's this endless possibilities. <laughs> it says it on the box. Exactly. I mean, uh, the Mishra deck is pretty badass and, you know, kind of a funny way to do that as well. Um but yeah, I mean, overall, it's a cool card, but it's it's more that like buyer beware type thing. Just be careful how you use it, kind of thing. Because I have seen a whole, I have seen what a whole chaos deck looks like, and it's all that fun. The game goes for four hours, you know. It's just so wild. Exactly. It is like it's the it's the ultimate of uh, version of adding plane chase to your game, which plane chase can add a bit of chaos and fun to your game. But like this is like this, no one knows how to how to progress, kind of thing, because it's just all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I had a couple of you know be remiss without asking uh, bringing up a couple of my favorite cards in that category the thieves auction and the goblin game but I think they're funny but you know some people I don't know like read the room a little bit some people may actually just go oh, mm-hmm. that's not I don't see that as you know fun involvement type thing it's just like bleh, everything's just spewed out over the table so um, especially like if you if you haven't thought about it. Like, and you don't have a way to deal with your own enchantment on your turn. To blank it somehow, to phase it out, to bounce it back to your hand for your next to nothing so that you get maximum value. There's there's so many ways to do it, but you're right. I've seen those chaos decks that just run for four hours. Generally speaking, after turn 10, if no one's been able to actually advance the game. Yeah, it's all still I stalemate. I just step out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, I'm done. You win. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't want to play against your shitty... You know, your shitty chaos deck that's pure chaos and does, you know, it doesn't have a plan. It it doesn't have a way to win. The only thing it does is it's just a troll deck. Mm. And you may not realize that. You may be having fun with that and, you know, good on you. (laughs) But for the rest of the table, this is why I always say, for the rest of the table, you need to be making decisions with deck building by reading the room. Yes. Even if you don't know the people. Would you have fun playing against this deck? If your answer is yes, then please go and seek help. Yeah. If if your answer is, oh, actually, maybe not, then you're just like the rest of us. And we also maybe don't want to play against your shitty chaos deck. Yeah. 
And it's so that being said, I think it's it's good to start off uh, with one big kind of poster child. I see as as what this embodies for me that you know a good solid card that just creates a bit of a conversation and can help others or can you know be used in interesting, often political ways. Because I mean, by default, a lot of these will have naturally at their heart an undertone of politics and i think that's that's really what we're hinging on for the most part you know to to really maximize the interesting aspects to this game for sure so this card anyway um i always go back to i uh, put it in a lot of decks but duelists heritage so it's a uh two and a white enchantment uh and it says whenever one or more creatures attack you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn so this is a nice cheap way to put double strike on one of my things if if that matters for a voltron deck or for you know combating type decks where I, I care about that kind of thing and it can be fun uh, but at no downside and, and no cost to me, um, I can then completely choose when to use this on other people's turns too. Um, you know, there's, there's no extra kind of, you know, uh, sweat off my back to do that. Uh, I can just choose and, and I often find that's a really fun conversation too because, you know, you can almost give it the, you know, the Caesar Council's judgment type thing with your thumb and go, who gets the bonus? And do you get it yay or nay kind of thing, um, you know, when it comes to other people's attack steps. So I've always had fun with this card. Have you ever seen him yeah, play, no. Chish? Uh, not much. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of it. It's I don't see it much. It's, you know, not a huge player, but I, I think I'd, I'd implore you to give it a go in, in the, the decks that, first of all, would want to use some double strike, uh, but then, you know, Using it on other people's turns because you can totally use it. Go, don't attack me. I'll promote you to give it double strike. Have a bit of fun, that kind of thing. It's really good. So, uh, next one off the list. Um, and I brought this up on Twitter before. Um, Fitz was talking about a deck he had to met um, and Merit Large, and so it's a tokens deck looking for, uh, to get Merit Large out, but. It's talking about like ways to make it interesting, that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, you have to use, if, if you've got a tokens deck, use fractured identity. Like, you know, you've got, you can break the symmetry on this one. But by default, fractured identity is an amazing card. And, and I've, you know, I'm guilty of leaving it out of decks and go, oh, you know, I can't really. It's it's hard when you're building decks sometimes to fully imagine what could happen in the possibility of a game. Um, but sometimes this is exactly what you need to really spice it up. But at the same time, it does, it has an effective uh, role kind of thing. So, Fractured Identity is three, white and a blue for a sorcery, exile, target, non-land, permanent. So, I mean, great removal. And it says each player other than its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. So, that's the interesting side. So, they're going to lose whatever cool, amazing, you know, Eldrazi monument or, you know, uh, could could even be an Eldrazi or, or that kind of thing. Um, I've seen Atali being, you know, exiled and then everyone else apart from the person that owned it gets a copy of it. So nothing funnier than when you don't have your commander um, but everyone else does, you know, <laughs> have your commander as because someone's fractured identity did it. So um, great fun card. I've seen just some really interesting board states. I guess maybe this like hinges very, very slightly on the chaos, but it's, um, you know, it, it does have a primary purpose, which is uh, kind of removal. So, um, yeah, have you seen this? It also provides, yeah, it also provides like really good discussion as well. Mm, exactly. Because, I mean, it just laughs. Number one, it's, yeah, number one, it's a political tool, but number two, it's, you know, like I'm going to take your biggest, scariest threat. That you're looking to like kill the board with, yeah, and have three and people hammer you with it. <laughs> everyone else a copy so they can hammer you instead. I can do it on your blight still colossus, exile that, and give everyone a blight still colossus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, your your mutate stack. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, that's you, good. Man. You don't have hexproof on it. Well, guess what? Now everyone else gets your you know, gets your lovely mutate stack. So, um, it's a strong card, uh, and it is underappreciated by a lot of people. Yeah. It's really funny against a uh, and like in an arch enemy type sense. If someone's gone out, you know, completely uh, gone off to the races, and the other three players are kind of left behind a little bit to balance that yeah. back out, is a really funny way to do it. Say they ramp out to, like I say, yeah, an Eldrazi Titan or something, and you just go, "Well, we've all got them now, and you got nothing." And it's like, hey, it's good times. Um, it's interesting, actually. This has come up. I think um, LSV said it about it. I can't remember what format we're talking in. Maybe Cube or something, but. Because it is a commander card, like it's from a commander set, um, but they've talked about 
And this actually comes up in some other cards we look at uh, where a mechanic was made for multiplayer, but then what happens in 1v1, which is in Commander not anything we usually have to worry about, but it's just really interesting design-wise that Fractured Identity in a one-player game, I mean, sorry, 1v1 game is insane. So you just exile what they've got, anything, and then you make a copy of it and it's it's absurd. So Cancel's ju- Judgment is one of those that, again, becomes a lot better once in a one-on-one setting, um, you know, when put in that. But I, I don't think... Don't think it's worth considering too much for Commander because those kind of games are going to be rare, but, you know, nonetheless very interesting for sure. Um, so next one there was uh, I kind of I went through Fact or Fiction was, you know, what, one of those ones that kind of brought up this conversation. Uh, there's other versions of Fact or Fiction, which is, you know, if you want to keep, uh, you know, going down that rabbit hole and, and, and that's a kind of effect you want to, you know, play into. Uh, I've played before Epiphany at the Drown Yard, which is a, a fact or fiction, but X. So X in a blue, I believe. I'll just look it up now. Epiphany at the... Um, but basically that one you can, I mean, I think... For your four mana, it's not going to be as good. You've got to kind of dump a bit more mana into it. But it just says, reveal the top X plus uh, plus one cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles, put that pile into your hand and then the other into your graveyard. So it's another one that if you like that kind of thing, you're you're kind of bringing them into the, the equation um, and, and you know, letting them influence a little bit. Oh, so I should say it is X and a blue. And it's instant, actually. That's that's worth noting. And, and you know, timing is everything. So um, the other ones there, Unesh Cryosphinx Sovereign is a Sphinx version of it, essentially, if you want to go that route, which is, you know, uh, I think most people know that one. And it's kind of gives all your Sphinxes that same effect, which is oh, like a very small kind of fact or fiction. So whenever he's four blue, blue for a four, four legendary Sphinx, Sphinx spells you cast cost two less, um, you know, it's very powerful if you like that kind of deck. Uh, and when uh, Unesh or another Sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, reveal the top four cards of your library, an opponent separates these cards into two piles, one pile into your hand, the other into your graveyard. So you get four rather than five. So, I mean, still cool. I've seen one of these decks go absolutely off. And then there's a bigger one, uh, which I've played on occasion called Sphinx of Uthun. And I'm pretty sure he just does a rock solid. Um, I can't find him. I think he just does pretty much a, um, a fact or fiction, essentially. So, I mean, he's just a beefy seven mana. Yeah, he's seven mana, five blue, blue. And he just reads when my internet actually loads. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, reveal the top five. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. So um, he he does a fact or fiction on enter as a five six. So that's an interesting way to take it if you want to, you know, ever abuse ETVs or have your, your fact or fiction on ETV. It's good fun. Really, really good card advantage, like we say. We've got a similar, um, uh, not really similar. There's a card here, Guided Passage. Have you ever seen that play? Uh, that card played... Chesh. I haven't seen it played, no. Guided Passage is a weird one that it it kind of gets the opponents involved as well. Where is it? So it's a teamer card. So it's a green, blue, red, and it says reveal the, the cards in your library. And it, yeah, actually it's got old wording. An opponent chooses from among them a creature card, a land card, and a non-creature non-land card. You put the chosen cards into your hand, then shuffle your library for three team of mana, and it's a sorcery. So this is one too, if, if you're getting any kind of political favors going on, they might actually find you something really good, uh, especially if you need to solve a problem. However, if even, you know, if they want to play it as neutrally as possible and they can grab, you know, three very mediocre cards but if they're in your deck they're going to be cards you probably want anyway so it's you're getting three cards for three mana um you know that's a land and on land and uh sorry non-creature on land and then a creature so you know it's one i don't know if anything else give it a try uh it, it provokes a conversation essentially and you might actually be able to use it for political gains that kind of thing and and to especially to solve problems so um next one i had was in red have you ever seen Sinprod around? Yes. Yeah, so Sinprod is not bad. Uh, and especially I was looking at uh, Obosh, uh, the, the kind of, you know, odd number damage doubler um, deck recently. And Sinprod is fantastic because he, for three mana, man, ugh, three mana, 
you get basically a, a discussion at the uh, at your upkeep every time. So uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, I should say he's a devil and me- he's got menace and he's a 3-2 for the three mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library. Any opponent may, ha- may have you put that card into your graveyard. If a player does, Sin Prodigy deals damage to that player equal to the, pe- the card's converted mana cost. Otherwise, put that card into your hand. So should note, lands are zero, you know. Um, so that's fine. Um, but you can use this essentially to do some damage, throw it around. Often it's pretty hard to like, if you, it's probably better later in the game. I'll, I'll say that, you know, like they can actually cut you off some land. Oh, you, you can draw the land still. That's fine. But later in the game, it's going to be harder for other players to keep wearing that cost of, you know, getting damage equal to the CMC of the card, uh, to you, for you to draw the extra card kind of thing. So it's a, it's an interesting one, provokes a conversation, um, and it's pretty cheap. It's from Shadows of Renistrad. So um, next one we had, we had a good theme I kind of love and I've been wanting to introduce to some of our games, Chess, should be very interesting, especially on stream. Um, but the whole, the show your secret suite. Have you seen these played much? So like your, I'm talking your Zer's Weirding, uh, your Revelation, Wandering Eye, Telepathy. I don't really know. <laughs> See, it's like it's it's a weird one, but it's I kind of want to play with it. So, I mean, by beware, I'm not sure if there's much of a reason to run these apart from just making it a bit more fun and, you know, um, stimulating some conversation. But to what end, I'm not too sure. Uh, to I, I will say you could play a Nebuchadnezzar deck and, you know, actually have a reason to know what's in someone, what, uh, someone's hand. But, you know, that's, that's certainly a lifestyle choice. Um, but basically, all of these rely on the idea of uh, having everyone show their hand at all times, with the exception of telepathy, which is all your opponents show their hands. Um, you know, so you can just see what everyone's drawn, what everyone's kind of running with, and it just creates a really interesting dynamic to the whole table, uh, where you know you can actually see what's coming up and and that kind of thing. It's it's pretty hilarious. So I, I want to play around with it a little bit. Um, Again, probably not to really abuse it or get anything out of their hands. I will say that there are effects that I do tend to like, which is, you know, target a player reveals their hand and you can cast something out of it. They're often fun. So um, there's the the big Demir, I think, Demon Ninja. He does that kind of thing. So it can be good fun. And, and you know, I don't, I'm not saying anyone should play the hand attack thing, you know, and, and, and go that way. But, you know, um, I know, it's just interesting stuff. So, you know, a couple of cards there to, to try out for a bit of fun. So, next one, Chesh, I hope you've seen a, a little bit around. I know one of our games um, recently uh, that I was on, on your stream that um, this actually had a great effect, but Fairy Artisans is an interesting effect. Yeah, Fairy Artisans is probably one of my favourite cards uh, from a Commander product, to be honest. Mm, totally, and shout out to Kaiju playing this one. So... What it was on our game, yeah, you drop a fairy artisans early, um, and basically er- anything else that drops in uh, on an opponent's kind of oh, does it do your stuff too? I just need to see. Sorry, I don't have all these brought up in front of me um, before I do it, but <laughs> just got too many cards. Uh, fair- where is it? Uh, three and a blue for a fairy artificer flying two two opponents control. Yeah, so whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types, then exile all other tokens created with Fairy Artisans. So you just get the newest thing, essentially. And it's the type of thing I've even... You can play this in a deck that doesn't even synergize with the tokens or the artifacts. It doesn't even really matter. It's just... It's good value. And it's it's the whole... I think there's a, there's an undertone also of, of, of having a fun game and also... There is a correlation between that and playing, of course, we've spoken about like similar power level decks is a really important thing. Um, it's said by a bunch of people that basically like if you do more of the clone type effects, you're really kind of running with the the power level of other people's decks, essentially, you know, synergy is non-withstanding, I guess, but it's it's not a bad way to go, well, you've got this, it's really powerful, it could be dominating the game, well, what if I've got one of these too, you know, and that kind of thing, so... Fairy Artisans just really quite efficiently makes a copy of anything else that comes in. And, um, you know, like I say, Kaiju did this, made so much value out of it because you often, like, Commander is a place where you're going to be getting creatures with ETBs and you're getting those ETBs too and and probably, you know, multiples rather than 
a normal clone effect just choosing one of the things you, you're getting that recycling all the time so um again the playing other people's stuff is a way to inspire some conversation too um rather indirectly it's more just like the the, the fun stuff that happens and it's hard to feel bad when you know you're getting beaten by something that was in your deck anyway so it's the whole Atali i found as a fun commander can get pretty nuts you know people can feel a bit targeted when you're just you know uh, hammering them with all their stuff. And then Villainous Wealth, of course, Chesh is um, one fan of. Um, you know, that's a great one for, <laughs> you know, it's hard to feel bad when, you know, everything that you kind of was in your deck anyway is beating the table. So, you know, fun one for sure. Um, Chesh, Dredge the Mire. Do you know this card? No. This is a good one. I'm gonna, I've been meaning to pick up a couple of these because it, it caught my eye straight away. Um, it doesn't seem great but I can definitely see the utility of it. So this is in the Ikoria Commander set, so it must have been probably the Symbiotic Swarm one, I think, being a black card. Um, and Dredge Maya is three and a black for a sorcery. Each opponent chooses a creature uh, in their graveyard and each and then each other opponent in... Hold on. Oh, no, sorry. That's just worded really weirdly. I'll start again. <laughs> Each opponent chooses a creature card in their graveyard. Put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So, would you play this card? Um, yeah, depending on the deck. Though. Depending on the deck, exactly. Like, I'd probably play this more in a mill deck. Yeah. Because then you, you've got good targets in discard piles. But that's the thing. Um, so, they're, the interesting part of this one, it is cheap because they are choosing the creatures, though. Exactly. So, I mean, it's tough thing. Could you do it so you, you know, only target specific things you want to reanimate because that's the only thing in their graveyard or have a way to exile everything else? That's probably getting a bit fancy and, and tricky. The way I see it was like uh, you may get something cool based on coincidence if that's, you know, something really huge uh, is in their graveyard and that's the only thing. That's That's awesome. But the way I see it is you're paying four mana to get three creatures. And and I think that's really worth something for sure. And if it's in someone else's deck, usually it's probably worth playing. You know what I mean? So it's something. Um, and I was even looking at uh, I've got a deck on the run that I kind of keep together as a fun mono black little build. And it's Q1. Um, what is he? He's a one of the flip commanders. Uh, and he's a really weird one. Like, not many people play it. But Ogre Ascendant, that's what he is. He basically made the braids on the other side. So, if uh, he's a, just a 2-4 monk. Um, he goes, at the beginning of each of the end step, if three or more creatures died this turn, flip him. And then he goes, at each player's upkeep, they sacrifice a creature. So, it echoes an effect that's banned. Um, but, the you know, the, the braids kind of mono-black effect. Uh, but the, the thing I find really nifty about it is, I mean, that. But it's just a fun little hoop to jump through and then playing mono black where, you know, finding everything you can that makes efficient an efficient amount of creatures so that you can reliably make three creatures die is good fun and then just, you know, playing around with other stuff. Maybe all your stuff's gone, that's fine because I've just got this in enchantment and no one else can have creatures type thing. So I said before I wasn't getting too too far into the oppressive realm, but, you know, and I don't want this deck to be, but it can be just a bit of fun just to spice some games up and, and play a different way on a different axis. But this one for sure dredged the mind. I was like, oh, sweet, easy way to get three creatures, you know, and and kind of uh, for a good um, efficient cost. So, again, yeah, I think I'm going to pick up a couple of dredge the mines because I just – I think it's interesting. Like the you could have opponents actually play the political route and go, oh, you know, you could use this uh, as long as you agree to do so and then all of a sudden you've got a kind of a political kind of uh, bond, so um, an agreement going on. So I think that's what, what it's all about for sure. So um, Nev's Disc, you know this one well, right? Uh, yeah, I've been playing this since, what, Revised? Yeah, um, <laughs> and, I mean, you'll be able to tell us why it's called Never End Your Rules Disc. Uh, because it belongs to Never ne- Nevenrel. It's also there's like a, a guy's name backwards. It's Larry Nev- Neven. I can I can spell backwards. I think so. Yeah, yeah. which is which is pretty funky. I've got to find what your name is backwards and make a card of it too. Um, <laughs> Treplasenyak. Well, you know it. Is that your password? No. <laughs> uh, but Nev's disc is a card, an artifact that's been floating around a format for a long time, as Chess Shit says. 
um, Nev's disc. But it's a fun one because it's a board wipe on a rock, essentially. Um, it's it's kind of it affects the game in a really interesting way, in that it's four mana uh, artifact enters the battlefield tapped, and then you just go one and tap it. So you can't do it straight away. Um, one and tap it, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. And, the, and it just warps the game in the fact that you've kind of put that there as a big old stop sign to go, well, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to extend the game out? Or sorry, extend your your game game plan out and keep building your board where I hold the uh, the ignition kind of switch to make it all go away essentially. So it's it's the whole... It's the board wipe that's in your face and it's the threat of activation, which which I think can be said for a lot of cards is a powerful thing and, and politics are a powerful thing in that regard that you can start to, you know, again, buy favours or offer immunity for a certain amount of time or that kind of thing. So it's it's one that often you drop a Nev's disc and everyone then has the, you know, puzzle to try and take you out of the game or, you know, get rid of the Nev's disc uh, or just stop kind of developing their board and accept that it's going to get blown up. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the point where sometimes you'll be like, well, I kind of want to blow this up when it's most profitable type thing or most threatening to me. You can just sit there with it on the board for a little while. So... Interesting play lines. I don't think it's oppressive by any means. It's just, you know, we need to blow up the board sometimes. So, any thoughts on Nev's Disc um, and your experiences with it over the years, Chesh? It's it's a big old bargaining chip. Mm. That's pretty much what it is. It'll either stop people from applying new threat threats to the board, or you can just use it to, like, if you're going to attack me, I'm just going to blow up all your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another little one I had here, Mathis, I think, is a really nifty commander that I don't think sees much play. Um, and I kind of have made, I've toyed with playing a few decks with Mathis. Um, I've got to find the one that kind of works. I guess you might want to go into the full, you know, politics kind of realm, I guess. But Mathis is Mardu, first of all. is your first hoop to jump through. Um, I just found the German version. That's no help to me. Um, <laughs> oops. Uh yeah, Mathis is Mardu, so red, white, black, is a legendary creature vampire, 3-3, three, three, Menace. At the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has, when this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. So, you can deflect attention and go, I've put a bounty on this, everyone can profit essentially, uh, you know, if this, this creature miraculously dies, use your spot removal. So, um what I found playing this a few years ago was like not many people were packing their spot removal um, to incent like as much as I wanted to incentivize them to throw it on, you know, to blow up something that needed to go. Um, and therefore, you weren't capitalizing off the draw cards as much um, and deflecting as much attention. But I think it's it's potential like it's worth keeping a, the, the radar on Mathis for some fun games and, and fun builds you could make in the future type thing. So, it could be powerful. Um Next one was a kind of suggestion off Twitter. Um, Standstill. Have you played this one much, Jesh? Standstill? Yeah, man. Standstill's rad. You ever seen it? Uh, I think so. It is some hyper-efficient card draw. I've got a, um, I've, I knew about it because I've got a friend that loves to play this and he puts it in every blue deck um, and it's, and it's, Really wacky little card, actually. So, I'll read it out. It's from Odyssey. Uh, one and a blue for an enchantment. Uh, standstill reads, Whenever a, when a player plays a spell, sacrifice standstill. If you do, each of that player's opponents draws three cards. Spicy. So, everyone just has to think about what they're doing for a hot second there. <laughs> uh, no, everyone just kind of... It just puts a big pause on everything until someone's like, Well, you know what? I'm going to eat the fact that I'm not going to draw three cards and everyone will um, and, you know, go about my game plan type thing because unless you've got a split second type thing, you know, uh, a Crows and Grip, whatever, everyone else, whatever you do, uh, you know, card-wise, if you're actually playing a spell, um, everyone else draws those three cards. Good fun. Let's try it out, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to def- um, benefit my opponents, but... No, see, I have I have vague memories of uh, there was a, a standstill upheaval deck at one point from memory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was basically like a mono blue 
Proteus staff deck. Mm. Um, was it maybe it was Legacy like back in one point five? But um, yeah, there was a couple of different combo decks around the time when Standstill came out, uh, and they were horrible because you couldn't play cards. <laughs> and then when they were playing cards, you were drawing cards. And it's just like... It sounds oppressive, man. I was going to say, Standstill... They were super oppressive decks. They were not good. This is where, again, the difference between 1v1 and 4-player commander um, is huge. That Standstill in 1v1 is pretty nuts. Just Mm. It's like Ancestral Recall almost. (laughs) Like, it's just, you know, uh, because there's one opponent, you know, plays spell. Like, you don't... you, You have to wait for them to play a spell, essentially. But, yeah, you draw the three cards, so... Funny, funny one. Um, next one on the list we had was, what do you think of single combat? I know people are a little bit funky about this one. I put it on here like tentatively, but I think- That's like one only one creature can attack, one yeah, creature can block. Yeah, I plonked it in the cube and I've actually felt, like found some really interesting, um, you know, kind of game states come out of it in a really funky way. So, it's, it's War of the Spark. You mean like playing nothing but menace creatures? Yeah, that works <laughs> for sure. <laughs> if you, I mean, you know, you can't really max that crazily in um, in cube, but yeah, I know what you mean. That's what you do though. Uh, but single combat reads three white white sorcery. Each player chooses a creature or planeswalker they control, then sacrifices the rest. Players can't cast creature or planeswalker spells until the end of your next turn. So that's a bit I forgot about. So it, it's going to go around of the table um, before anyone can play another creature spell. So it's essentially a whole round of as it says on the box, single combat. So it's it's choosing your champion and then putting in the putting them all in the gladiator pit and uh, seeing what happens. Which I just think it's really nifty. And and again, a lot of people have to um and ah about well, who's my champion, you know that kind of thing. So it's I just thought it was worth noting as far as you know it's a board wipe, but everyone gets to keep something, which is is kind of funky. So um, what did I have here? I had slightly chaotic. So. The Thieves Auction and the Goblin Game. I read out Goblin Game, I think, on three of our episodes already, which is, you know, yep. <laughs> just grab all the things in the room and better them against each other, which totally feels like an uncard, but it's not. So, it's a weird one. I don't know. Uh, I, I quite, I don't quite know how to capitalize on that one, apart from it just being a bit silly. Uh, it can be fun. Thieves Auction is a similar one. I'm pretty sure everyone just puts everything into the middle of the table and then starts to bet on them. So, um, <laughs> you know, maybe you've got a, I don't know, a Pirates deck that, you know, this thematically fits well. So, uh, Defining Plunder. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Dividing totally. plunder. Um, yeah. So, four red, red, red. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely a bit chaotic, but, you know, keep it in mind, I guess. Uh, four red, red, red sorcery. Set aside all cards in play. Yeah, like lands too. Starting with you, each player chooses one of the cards set aside and puts it into play. Uh, so, you get to choose play first. Uh, into play tapped under his or her control. Repeat this process until all the cards have been chosen. So, this is a bit... Uh, is it like Scrambleverse? You don't want the Scrambleverse version of these, do you? No. no. Scrambleverse does this but random as far as I know. For each non-land opponent, choose a player at random. Then each player gains control of each. Oh, my God. So, that one dexterity-wise, like choosing at random, rolling a dice, whatever, that's... If you've got some D4s, go for it. But it's kind of... This is the type of card. I think Scrambleverse gets into the realm where it's the grown. You know, people are, Ugh. I think Thieves Auction might get there too, but, you know... If you if you know the people well, if you think it'll be received well, you'll certainly get some laughs out of it. I'll say that. So I've seen it play. Also, I like the, the biggest like advice I can give for this, keep an eye on your own cards and don't let people put them back in their deck box and lose hundreds of dollars worth of cards because you played Thieves Auction for a couple of lols and someone walked away with your mo- like your I don't know, your mox opal or something. <laughs> So, anyway. <laughs> uh, Play it only with friends. Exactly. Um, big old section here, uh, which might even, yeah, might even round most of it off. Uh, and I wanted to kind of keep this anyway as a is an open-ended conversation, by no means the definitive, you know, list, but it's, it's kind of a more of a thought exercise to, you know, um, kind of introduce these ideas of, you know, how to how to. In- make your your commander games a bit more fun and inspire some conversation but conspiracy and battle bond are the sets that 
unanimously come to mind when I think of this effect uh, and, and this idea of opening up, you know, a bit more conversation at your table and having more fun games uh, whilst also furthering your game plan, that kind of thing. So Conspiracy 1, cons- Conspiracy 2, um, both have great effects. I'd probably say two probably has a couple more for a few reasons. Uh, Battle Bond, of course, as well. Um, yeah, great cards. We we call that Commander Masters when it came out. But all these sets, of course, being a multiplayer, um, you know, intended kind of play experience is why we're talking about this and it actually, you know, means we've got a lot of these cards that kind of really play on that multiplayer thing. Um, so... Conspiracy 1 and 2 both have a, a mechanic called Will of the Council and Council's Dilemma. So there's kind of, it was two, I guess there's kind of two versions of the the one thing, but I'd say I think generally the Council's Dilemma one works a little bit better. Um, and it's yeah. in that Will of the Council, as far as I know very broadly, is each player votes for something, one or the other. And then it's basically, uh, I think it's if it's even... Uh, something happens. Hold on, I'm doing really bad <laughs> explaining this. Um, uh, let's find a version of it. Will of the council. I'm thinking like council's judgment, like I said before, is, a, is an interesting one as far as I've played it as removal and commander, but it's not always going to go the way you want it to. Um, council's judgment. Maybe. Is that the one it's called? We're going to have to wrap this soon. Yeah, no stress. No stress. Um, Yep, so starting with you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control. Exile each permanent with the votes, uh, yeah, with most votes or tied for the most votes. So this one's weird that it's it's kind it can kind of, you know, not always go the way you want it to. Whereas Council's Dilemma in Conspiracy 2 will basically get you, um, uh, what is it? You, you'll get something for each vote that goes one way so it's, it's more just like more of one more of the other kind of thing but you still get all that value essentially so the the example i have to run there is um or kind of point out is i love selvala stampede so that's an amazing um that's an amazing card that i love as far as giving you a lot of value uh but at the same time, everyone else has to make a decision there. So Salvala's Tampede is four green green uh, sorcery. Starting with you, each player votes for wild or free. Reveal the cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card for each wild vote. And then put those creatures onto the battlefield and then shuffle the rest of your library. And then for each, uh, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield for each free vote. So uh, I just have to always abridge it to... Um, cards uh, wild is basically creatures from library like just go down until you find one and then free is a permanent from your hand so I've done omniscience from your hand that's a good way to do it uh, you know things like that so people always just go uh, which one's it going to be how many cards are in your hand they have a couple of conversations for a hot second and go uh, and oftentimes they pick the wrong one as far as which one's going to you know advantage you the most you could have a grip full of lands and it doesn't really you know it may look like I've got a lot of hot stuff in my hand. So, you know, they may just go, oh, creatures from your library. And then sure enough, I've stacked heaps of beefy creatures in my library. So this one's still only a couple of bucks, I think, but an absolute pet of pet cards for me. So love it to bits. Would you put expropriate in this category? Um, <laughs> expropriate is one of those cards that when you get a copy of it you're so happy to have a copy but then you don't want to play it well you play um, it and you go oh, actually i don't know I, I don't like i don't like any of these cards to be truthfully honest no. yeah i don't like any of them do you know what i really like joined forces joined forces oh yeah 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 so much the better mechanic for this yeah, yeah. because it's like you can choose to pay or not pay you know to, mm. to get this particular effect and like so let's just take, for example, the best one, which is Collective Voyage, right? So it's a single green and it has joined forces. It's a sorcery. Are these from a commander with set? You, mm-hmm. Yep. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of mana and then, full stop, uh, each player searches their library for up to X basic land cards where X is the total amount of mana paid this way, puts them onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffles their library. So you're contributing to the pool. You're all contributing to accelerating the game. Yeah, this is quite cool, actually. Adding presence. I probably see Collective Voyage the most. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's great. It's a great card because it, it gets everyone at the table talking like, well, you know, 
generally speaking, when somebody plays the card, that player is going to get the most benefit because they need the lands for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, do we need to worry about what's on the table? Is there a landfall creature or a landfall something on the table that's going to trigger? Is there somebody who we need to worry about because they're going to get like, you know, four basic lands now and, and they're going to untap next turn and, you know, they're going to play some big stupid creature. What do we need to worry about? And it gets the entire table having a bit of a conversation around, all right, well, what's the, the pros and cons of letting this happen? Yeah. Like player A is paid a green and two colorless. So we know that player A is definitely getting those two lands. Do we give them more lands? Do we all benefit from this or should we just go, no, we're good? Yeah, totally. And they put it on some interesting cards too. Um, yeah, they've done it. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's appeared in, oh, it is one of the older commander sets. And then, oh, and then reprinted as well. Or is that, oh, anthology, that's why. But yeah, like I say, Collective Voyage comes up. Minds of Glow does this with cards um, and then some really interesting ones, Mana Charge Dragon. So like, <laughs> Commander 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, it's the type of one I don't think it's it's not particularly group huggy at all. Like it's it's more what benefits or does not benefit the table um, and therefore, you know, decisions will be made essentially. So um, I yeah, you bring those up and, and I thought straight away I had them further down the page a little bit and don't have to go too far into them, but the tempt with cycle, you know, tempt with discovery, yep. tempt, with reflect, uh, tempt with reflections, vengeance, glory, immortality. So basically uh, I'll just read tempt with discovery and, and kind of note that each one does a similar thing with different things that align with the color pie. Um, Tempted cycle. Uh, so Tempted Discovery does lands, but importantly, it's been used for a long time because it gets uh, it's not basic lands, so you can get any land. So three and a green reach t- reads tempting tempting offer. Uh, search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Uh, each opponent may search his or her library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. For each opponent who searches their library this way uh search your library for uh an additional card basically and then you know each each player shuffles so um this is one that whoever's casting it's always going to get the most value but people have the opportunity to go well i can balance this out and actually realize that even if i get a land that i really need right now they're still going to benefit more but it's within my best interest to do so so i mean tempt with glory does plus one plus one counters on all your stuff immortality does graveyard uh yeah creature from the graveyard uh graveyard to the battlefield uh and reflections does a token of a creature so as i say template discovery probably sees the most play but there um i didn't see the red one because i don't think it's that good um i think it's x11 red elemental creature tokens and it's an x spell so that's fine <laughs> but yeah like template discovery sees the most play from from my anecdotal evidence but um again Open it up, open the conversation up, um, you know, and see what everyone says essentially. So, yes, um, probably the last ones I want to touch on. What do you think about the battle bond cards, the friend or foe cards? Do you know these ones? I do. Um, I think they're all good. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think I think they're another one that was actually like, and this is the thing, right? So, like, obviously the um, the original Take the Crown ones were like the Mm, the first versions. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and they yeah, yeah. they could have been like supremely overpowered, like the certain blue card that we made like the earlier. expropriate. Yes, um, exactly. Yes, uh, and this feels like the more fixed version, but still good because you get to choose naughty or nice. Yes, essentially, and I- you know, and and it's not like it's not like if I choose that you're the naughty person that I you know that I get a negative impact from it which is what I like about them. Yeah. The only thing it will do, and I've, you know, is that you clearly define though sometimes, depends on how the person wants to take it, but you're almost clearly defining if you find them an enemy or a friend. Uh, And people can take that really personally, you know. (laughs) Like it's, there's there's some, I think some of the effects are better than others, of course. Um, I like, personally, I like Piers Wim and I like, uh, Corvath's Fury. The other three are Ragnar's Sanction, mm-hmm. Virtus's Maneuver, and Zunderspilt's Judgment. Um, 
Piers Wim reads uh, for each player, choose friend or foe. Each friend searches their library for a land card. And again, this has got the word land card, not basic land. So another way to find your Merit Large or your Maze's End or whatever, you know, you want to do funky stuff with your lands. Uh, puts it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffles their library. Each foe sacrifices an artifact or enchantment they control. They're still choosing it. But interesting way to get rid of things, you know, if that's the only thing floating around. Or also buy some favors. And I think that's the key kind of underlying thing here that, you know, maybe it is in your best interest if they're not too threatening at the moment to go, well, you know, if I give you something, can you give us something back later? You know, that kind of thing. And and I think that'll go down well usually. And I should read uh, Piers Wim is four mana, so three and a green. Corvass Fury is one I really love because um, it aligns really well. And I should note too, some of these can really fit well into a game plan as well as like really specifically and synergistically, as well as offering you some political kind of, you know, um, gymnastics, you know, play, I guess, some some opportunities, I guess. So Corvast Fury is four and a red, sorcery for each player, choose friend or foe. Each friend discards all cards from their hand, then draws that many cards plus one. So you get a powered up, um, you know, I guess wheel of, um, no, not, not wheel, what are you talking about? It's like a powered up windfall essentially. So it's only ever one plus what they had uh and then for each foe corvass fury deals damage to um that person equal to the number of cards in their hand so i like this in the obosh deck again that i'm kind of putting together because i've got a discard sub theme and i've got some damage stuff that tends like some doubling that lines up really well with this mana cost being five mana so you know ticks both boxes essentially but you know the red decks that want to wheel you know if that's part of what they want to be doing um works really well uh and then also doing some damage regna's sanction does the one one counter thing is again choose friend or foe each player puts a one one counter on each creature they control uh each foe chooses one untapped creature they control and then taps the rest for four mana and the white one uh then vertus's maneuver is the black one two and a black this one's probably not as good i guess it's probably more subtle, I guess, but it says for each player choose friend or foe. Each friend returns a creature card from their graveyard to their hand. Each foe sacrifices a creature they control. And then Zinus builds judgment. I don't actually find that great at all. Um, I don't know. I'll still play it one it's day. It's the weakest. Hey. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely the weakest. And I think because of the second line, the foe line. But it, it says uh, for each player choose friend or foe. Each Each friend creates a token that's a copy of a creature they control. And then each foe returns a creature they control to their owner's hand for five mana, four and a blue as a sorcery. So I don't know. I just I find that one hardest to slot into where you want to find where you want to play that. So just because they have the choice of what they bounce and they could have heaps of stuff. So not that uh, not that impactful, I don't think. So um, that was cool to cover off. I would love to chat to Gavin about these sets too because I know he had, of course, involvement and, you know, he even said the other day, did you see uh, if you could have one new set of like these ancillary products, which one would it be? Mm-hmm. And I think you voted Battlebond. I voted Conspiracy. <laughs> I love Conspiracy. Um, but any of them, that's great. And I think these sets that are drafting and kind of limited uh, multiplayer format are really fun. And then they often just, you know, as we've kind of just gone through by proximity, give us great commander cards essentially. So, mm-hmm. um I'll kind of finish this off by giving you three little choices for interesting time bombs if you want to uh, make the the table a little bit expedited. Um, the f- actually, I'll give you four because the first one I've f- I've kind of said a few ep- other episodes that I've found works really well to great effect, even if you're not like manipulating or abusing it, but Sulfuric Vortex, one red red. Uh, players can't gain life. I kind of love that. <laughs> um, so Aloro players, watch out. Uh, and then at the beginning of... Is it your upkeep or every upkeep? I'm not doing it right in front of me, but every, um, like basically, no, everyone plays upkeep, that player takes one, uh, two life. So it's damage, you can mess with that. But what I love about it is just expedites the game, you know, and gets everyone a little bit more urgent. And, you know, if a game usually takes three hours, it might take one, you know, because of this, if it's left unchecked. And it's just really funny. Um, but I, I, I think I usually play that and I don't find any ill will. You know what I mean? Like it's not oppressive. It's just a little bit of a it's a it's a timer. It's almost like it's in poker uh and you're just, you know, you're upping the blinds. Um, you know, it's it's kind of just just kind of pushing it every every turn. So um have you ever played Havoc Festival? Uh, I was no. just thinking that's like the turbo version of it and everyone just loses half their life. 
So it's like, okay. <laughs> um, play with that one in Rakdos if you really want to. But the other ones I had, so Time Bombs had Lava Brink, Floodgates, Plague Boiler, and Coercive Portal. Do you know of any of these guys? Floodgates is the worst rare ever printed in a Commander Don't product. Don't you yes. dare. <laughs> it's fun. I haven't played it yet. I can't even speak to it, but I just saw it. I'm like, this is a wacky effect. I'm sure there's a place where this can exist. But the worst? Yeah, in my bin. <laughs> can I have it? <laughs> oh, man. I think, I oh, think man. it actually went out with the last bulk that I sold. Oh, it's great. Oh, someone bought it. See? Exactly. There's demand. Um, As bulk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. It has the gold stamp on it, so that's it. Lava Brink Floodgates is three in a red artifact. Tap to add two red mana. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put a Doom counter on Lava Brink Floodgates or remove a Doom counter from it. Then if it has three or more Doom counters on it, sacrifice Lava Brink Floodgates. Where you do, it deals six damage to each creature. Man, if you've got ways to stop damage hitting your creatures or your your command is bigger than this or you have, I don't know, like look where the numbers line up, but I feel like... Or you have incompetent uh, opponents who... Who don't read cards and don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, or sure. you don't care about creatures in red. Maybe that's a thing. Yeah? It's just a bad card. Oh, man. This is, this is the one we're going to argue on for sure. For sure. And I'm going to show you where it lives. So, <laughs> one day. <laughs> anyway, forget <laughs> about that one. <laughs> what about Plague Boiler? Probably, you know what? Like, if you think this one garbage, you probably could think the worst. The, the rest are too. Plague, plague <laughs> bo- Boilers in Golgari. And I've always loved the card because the derpy uh, look on the guy's face as he's run- running away from the uh, the inevitable end uh, of this Plague Boiler. So, uh, where is it? At the beginning of your upkeep, uh, sorry, three mana for an artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a Plague Counter on Plague Boiler. One black, green, put a Plague Counter on Plague Boiler or remove a Plague Counter from it. Uh, and then when... When Plague Boiler has three or more Plague Counters on it, sacrifices, if you do, destroy all non-land burns. I thought someone else could do this. Sorry, I completely apologize. Still, it makes it interesting, <laughs> like a Nev's Dis type thing. I'm going to expedite the Plague Boiler. Um, and it's going to inevitably go off. But, um, yeah, anyway, worth noting, it's a funny card. I, I'm yet to put it in a deck, but I've been looking for the place for it. But, you know, blow up everything in good time. Uh, Coercive Portal is the last one, and I think this one definitely actually deserves a slot. Um, I have seen this played on a real commander table, I swear. Uh, So, Coercive Portal is a mythic from Conspiracy 1, and there's your Will of the Council uh, wording, which is what I was talking about before. So, four mana for an artifact, Will of the Council, at the beginning of your upkeep, starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. Um, homage. Uh, if Carnage gets more votes, uh, sacrifice Coercive Portal and destroy all non-land permanents. If Homage gets more votes or the vote is tied, draw a card. So this is an interesting one that usually until everyone agrees it's time to blow it up, you'll just draw a card every upkeep. That's the way I've seen it play out. It's an interesting one for sure and it's a mythic. So, um, yeah, have you ever seen this one played around, Chesh? No. Mm-hmm. Bill Hearns. All right. Well, I'm going to have to introduce some of these cards um, and spice up some games. So, anyway, that's probably it for now uh, because I've got to let Chesh go and clean his apartment and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is – I want it to more be the start of a conversation rather than the, the all kind of encompassing definitive list of things that spice up a commander game in a, you know, a positive way type thing. But it's more just – Change the way people are thinking, if possible, to, you know, consider how a, a card's going to play out for your opponents, you know, minimizing feel-bads, but still furthering your game plan, making it interactive and fun, and, and you know, just keep, bottom line, keep the commander table a really cool, positive place, and, and you know, get people having fun, and, um, you know, and, and a kind of interactive time is the way to put it. And that does not mean necessarily playing a group hug deck. You can do, still do your game plan whilst getting everyone else involved. So... Um, that's been it. Anything you want to kind of end on that, uh, Chesh? Um, don't fear randomness. Yes. But I have a good plan for it. Yeah, that's true. That's a, a good way to put it, you know, and that, I mean, like most things we talk about, that weirdly extends into life, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> Deep. Uh, so anyway, we, I think we're going to skip the entertaining today, but we'll get back to it next week. Um, I think we've got another couple of awesome guests lined up, as we said before. So very excited just to, you know, 
uh, kind of spread the good word of you know and and talk to awesome interesting people about commander uh and life i guess but uh i've been sam and you've been chesh and i've been chesh uh you can find us at cmdrcrunch.fireside.com uh send us emails at cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com feedback questions pictures of cephalids whatever that's cool uh we're on twitter at at cmdr underscore crunch and then insta at cmdr crunch uh you can find me at past the jam sam on twitter and instagram um in twitch or wherever else uh and where can we find you jesh uh at Cheshire plays on the twitter at Cheshire plays games on youtube and twitch nice one nice one uh until then may all your top decks be amazing or whatever your possibility storm kind of fetch is going to be you know just make make it make it fun keep tapping that land exactly take care friends <laughs>